Part Two of Gambler's World. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I take it, Retief said, that the casino is a front for his political activities. He makes plenty off it. This PAFFL is a new kick. I never heard about it until maybe a couple of months ago. Retief motioned toward a dark shed with an open door. We'll stop here, he said, long enough to strip the gadgets off these uniforms. Illy, hands strapped behind his back, stood by and watched as Retief and Magnan removed medals, ribbons, orders, and insignia from the formal diplomatic garments. This may help some, Retief said, if the word is out that two diplomats are loose. It's a breeze, Illy said. We see cats in purple and orange tailcoats all the time. I hope you're right, Retief said. But if we're called, you'll be the first to go, Illy. You're a funny kind of nanny, Illy said, eyeing Retief. Toskin and Vug must be wondering what happened to him. If you think I'm good at drowning people, you ought to see me with a knife. Let's get going. It's only a little way now, Illy said, but you better untie me. Somebody's liable to stick their nose in and get me killed. I'll take the chance. How do we get to the casino? We follow this street. It twists around and goes under a couple of tunnels. When we get to the drunkard's stairs, we go up and it's right in front of us. A pink front with a sign like a big luck wheel. Give me your belt, Magnan, Retief said. Magnan handed it over. Lie down, Illy, Retief said. The servant looked at Retief. Vog and Toskin will be glad to see me, he said, but they'll never believe me. He lay down. Retief strapped his feet together and stuffed the handkerchief in his mouth. Why are you doing that? Magnan asked. We need him. We know the way, and we don't need anyone to announce our arrival. It's only on 3D that you can march a man through a gang of his pals with a finger in his back. Magnan looked at the man. Uh, maybe you'd better uh, cut his throat, he said. Illy rolled his eyes. That's a very un-ninny-like suggestion, Mr. Magnan, Retief said. If we do have any trouble finding the casino, I'll give it serious thought. There were few people in the narrow street. Shops were shuttered, windows dark. Maybe they heard about the coup, Magnan said. They're lying low. More likely they're at the palace picking up their knives. They rounded a corner, stepped over a man curled in the gutter, snoring heavily, and found themselves at the foot of a long flight of littered stone steps. The drunkard stairs are plainly marked, Magnan sniffed. I hear sounds up there, Retief said. Sounds of merrymaking. Maybe we'd better go back. Merrymaking doesn't scare me, Retief said. Come to think of it, I don't know what the word means. He started up, Magnan behind him. At the top of the long stair a dense throng milled in the alley-like street. A giant illuminated roulette wheel revolved slowly above them. A loudspeaker blared the chant of the croupiers from the tables inside. Magnan and Retief moved through the crowd toward the wide open doors. Magnan plucked at Retief's sleeve. Are you sure we ought to push right in like this? Maybe we ought to wait a bit. Look around. When you're where you have no business being, Retief said. 
always stride along purposefully. If you loiter, people begin to get curious. Inside a mob packed the wide, low-ceilinged room, clustered around gambling devices in the form of towers, tables, and basins. What do we do now? Magnan asked. We gamble. How much money do you have in your pockets? Why, a few credits. Magnan handed the money to Retief. But what about the man Zorn? A purple cutaway is conspicuous enough without ignoring the tables, Retief said. We've got a hundred credits between us. We'll get to Zorn in due course, I hope. Your pleasure, gents, a bullet-headed man said, eyeing the colorful evening clothes of the diplomats. We'll be wanting to try your luck at the Zoop Tower, I guess. A game for real sporting gents. Why, uh, Magnet said. What's a Zoop Tower? Retief asked. Out-of-towners, eh? The bullet-headed man shifted his dope stick to the other corner of his mouth. Zoop is a great little game. Two teams of players buy into the pot. Each player takes a lever. The object is to make the ball drop from the top of the tower into your net. Okay? What's the ante? I got a hundred credit pot working now, gents. Retief nodded. We'll try it. Shill led the way to an eight-foot tower mounted on gimbals. Two perspiring men in trade-class pullovers gripped two of the levers that controlled the tilt of the tower. A white ball lay in a hollow in the thick glass platform at the top. From the center an intricate pattern of grooves led out to the edge of the glass. Retief and Magnan took chairs before the two free levers. When the light goes on, gents, work the levers to jack the tower. You got three gears. Takes a good arm to work top gear. That's uh, this button here. A little knob controls what way you're going. May the best team win. I'll take the hundred credits now. Retief handed over the money. A red light flashed on, and Retief tried the lever. It moved easily with a ratcheting sound. The tower trembled, slowly tilted toward the two perspiring workmen pumping frantically at their levers. Magnan started slowly, accelerating as he saw the direction the tower was taking. Faster, Retief, he said. They're winning. This is against the clock, gents, the bullet-headed man said. If nobody wins when the light goes off, the house takes all. Crank it over to the left, Retief said. I'm getting tired. Shift to a lower gear. The tower leaned. The ball stirred, rolled into a concentric channel. Retief shifted to middle gear, worked the lever. The tower creaked to a stop started back upright. There isn't any lower gear, Magnan gasped. One of the two on the other side of the tower shifted to middle gear, the other followed suit. They worked harder now, heaving against the stiff levers. The tower quivered, moving slowly toward their side. I'm exhausted, Magnan gasped. He dropped the lever, lolled back in the chair, gulping air. Retief shifted position, took Magnan's lever with his left hand. Shift it to middle gear, Retief said. Magnan gulped, punched the button, and slumped back, panting. My arm, he said, I've injured myself. The two men in pullovers conferred hurriedly as they cranked their levers. Then one punched a button and the other reached across, using his left arm to help. They've shifted to high, Magnan said. Give up, it's hopeless. 
Shift me to high, Retief said. Both buttons. Magnan complied. Retief's shoulders bulged. He brought one lever down, then the other. Alternately, slowly at first, then faster. The tower jerked, tilted toward him. Farther, the ball rolled in the channel, found an outlet. Abruptly, both Retief's levers froze. The tower trembled, wavered, and moved back. Retief heaved. One lever folded at the base, bent down, and snapped off short. Retief braced his feet, took the other lever with both hands, and pulled. There was a rasp of metal friction and a loud twang. The lever came free, a length of broken cable flopping into view. The tower fell over as the two on the other side scrambled aside. Hey! Bullethead yelled. You wrecked my equipment! Retief got up and faced him. Does Zorn know you've got your tower rigged for suckers? You trying to call me a cheat or something? The crowd had fallen back, ringing the two men. Bullethead glanced around. With a lightning motion he plucked a knife from somewhere. That'll be five hundred credits for the equipment, he said. Nobody calls Kippy a cheat. Retief picked up the broken lever. Don't make me hit you with this, you cheap chiseler. Kippy looked at the bar. Coming in here, he said indignantly, looking to the crowd for support, busting up my rig, calling names. I want a hundred credits, Retief said. Now. Highway robbery, Kippy yelled. Better pay up, somebody called. Hit him, mister, somebody else said. A broad-shouldered man with graying hair pushed through the crowd and looked around. You heard him, Kippy. Give, he said. The shill growled and tucked his knife away. Reluctantly he peeled a bill from a fat roll and handed it over. The newcomer looked from Retief to Magnan. Pick another game, strangers, he said. Kippy made a little mistake. This is small-time stuff, Retief said. I'm interested in something big. The broad-shouldered man lit a perfumed dope-stick. What would you call big? he said softly. What's the biggest you've got? The man narrowed his eyes, smiling. Maybe you'd like to try slam. Tell me about it. Over here. The crowd opened up, made a path. Retief and Magnan followed across the room to a brightly lit glass-walled box. There was an arm-sized opening at waist height. Inside was a hand-grip. A two-foot plastic globe, a quarter full of chips, hung in the center. Apparatus was mounted at the top of the box. Slam pays good odds, the man said. You can go as high as you like. Chips cost you a hundred credits. You start it up by dropping a chip in here, he indicated the slot. You take the hand-grip. When you squeeze, it unlocks. The globe starts to turn. You can see it's full of chips. There's a hole at the top. As long as you hold the grip, the bowl turns. The harder you squeeze, the faster it turns. Eventually it'll turn over to where the hole is down and chips fall out. On the other hand, there's contact plates spotted around the bowl. When one of them lines up with a live contact, you get quite a jolt. Guaranteed non-lethal. All you've got to do is hold on long enough and you'll get the payoff. How often does this random pattern put the hole down? 
Anywhere from three minutes to fifteen, with the average run of players. Oh, by the way, one more thing. That lead block up there. The man motioned with his head toward a one-foot cube suspended by a thick cable. It's rigged to drop every now and again. Averages five minutes. A warning light flashes first. You can take a chance. Sometimes the light's a bluff. You can set the clock back on it by dropping another chip, or you can let go the grip. Retief looked at the massive block of metal. That would mess up a man's dealing hand, wouldn't it? And the last two jokers who were too cheap to feed the machine had to have them off. Their arms, I mean. That lead's heavy stuff. I don't suppose your machine has a habit of getting stuck like Kippy's? The broad-shouldered man frowned. You're a stranger, he said. You don't know any better. It's a fair game, mister, somebody called. Where do I buy the chips? The man smiled. I'll fix you up. How many? One. A big spender, eh? The man snickered, but handed over a large plastic chip. End of Part Two